It's supposed to be a bottomless pit because the only bottom of a pit like this is a totalitarianism. Data Stories is supported by Tableau Software, helping people see and understand their data. Get answers from interactive dashboards wherever you go. For your free trial, visit Tableau Software at tableau.com slash data stories. That's T-A-B-L-E-A-U dot com slash data stories. Hey everyone, Data Stories 55. Hey Enrico, how are you doing? Um, good. 55 is a nice number. It's a nice round number, that's true. It's, yeah, aesthetically pleasing, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> how was your weekend? How are you doing? Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> busy. Yeah, a bit busy. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, not the best weather in New York today. No. I'm feeling a bit moody. <laughs> but it's fine, I'm fine. Yeah, the semester is over. So now I can do some 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 work, some research. Some proper <laughs> and, work, uh, yeah. Proper work, yes. Guess what? I had um, my f- my first honey harvest of this year this on the weekend. You had what? My honey harvest. So the first oh, time, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's amazing. But it wasn't so much. It was maybe 20 pounds or something, 25. I don't know. We'll see. You should send. Uh, you should prepare some data stories, honey. Uh, special edition. And sell it. Yeah, and sell it on the web. <laughs> special edition. <laughs> yeah. Last year's was amazing. So if if this year's is like close to that, I'll, I'll be. Yeah, I tried some. Yeah, right. I tried some. Yeah. yeah. It was amazing, right? Yeah. Yeah. See. Sure. See. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Maybe yeah. another time in summer. Usually, I, I harvest twice. So we'll see. Sounds great. Yeah. Good. Shall we introduce our our special guest for today? Absolutely. Okay. So we have Mushon Zeraviv directly from Israel. Hey, Mushon. How are you? I'm great. Hello, hello. (laughs) Great to be here. Great to have you. I'm so happy that you are on the show. So Mushon uh, is a designer, and uh, I think you also define yourself as a as an activist or maybe data activist, I don't know. And um, he, he does a lot of interesting stuff and especially he caught our attention with uh, his work on disinformation visualization. And we would like to discuss a little bit of that and many of the other very interesting things that he's been uh, working on. So Mushon, can you give us a little bit of an introduction about yourself? What's your background? and uh, what you are doing right now. Yeah, so um, I'm a de- indeed a designer, and uh, at some point when you do a lot of activism, you have to own it, I guess. And uh, and I go by media activist or data activist, or, and, and some article called me a disinformation activist, <laughs> which is kind of funny. <laughs> but, but yeah, I'm, I'm working in Tel Aviv, and my far background back in the 90s was actually in comics. I was uh, publishing um, in k- kind of an underground uh, comics fanzine. And that's, I would say, my first introduction to, to where images meet text. And, and when the internet started to be a thing that should be should get some attention uh, if you are interested in images and text that w- that has become an interesting thing for you. So that's where I went in in, in the later 90s. And when um, and in art school, actually, when I wanted to become an, a, a comics artist, I went to the art department. And when they told me there's no art, uh, th- there's no comics art in the art department, only in the <laughs> visual communication department, I was... Uh, I was uh, taking them at their word, and I became a visual communicator, I guess. Otherwise, uh, I would have become an artist, I guess. <laughs> um, and, and after school, um, there wasn't much uh, exciting places to, to work in, in the beginning of the 2000s uh, when, if you wanted to do digital design. Uh, so together with Guy Sagi, uh, we opened the Shual Design Studio, which is a small kind of boutique design studio. And um, 
And in 2000, and, and I started teaching as well, but then towards 2005, I realized that uh, um, I should have more to teach, so I should learn more. And that's what uh, brought me to New York, to the ITP program at NYU, um, which I did from 2005 to 2007. Um, so you did a master's I, there? I, yeah, I did my master's there. And um, that, that's where I got more into the open source world as well. I headed this uh, uh, open source project called uh, Shift Space, uh, which we continued to develop. Uh, I continued to develop as a resident at IBEAM, the Art and Technology Center at uh, New York. I also uh, taught at, uh, at NYU and Parsons afterwards. And in 2010, I, uh, I moved back to Israel. Um, and, and here I've been, over the last uh, five years, I've been doing a lot of work on, on open, open government data. So that's a bit of a different perspective to the kind of activism that I was involved in before. Um, and that has gotten me even more involved with, uh, with data uh, from different perspectives. So yeah, I'll probably, can, I'll probably talk about that a bit later. But uh, I, I guess the disinformation visualization thing is, uh, is something um, that I got to through through the work, both 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 from working on on these issues and and from uh, teaching, I guess. Um, so the um, I think so I think I discovered the disinformation visualization piece a few months back. I think you wrote that on a, was it a blog post on a tactical tech website or something like that. Yeah, but I guess you you've been developing this concept for a while. So can you tell us the story of this concept and what you mean by disinformation visualization? That's really interesting. So so it started kind of uh, in a funny incident when I, I was invited to I was invited to give uh, to be a guest a guest uh, lecturer uh, to give critique to students working in a data visualization class. And one by one, I saw this, the students going, uh, struggling in front of us, trying to, to argue that there's this greater uh, insights from the, from the visualizations that they've made. Um, and th these were very kind of raw initial, um, in, initial tries into, into, the, into the world of data visualization. And, and I felt like, Rather than rather than telling them what they've done wrong and disappointing them, I wish I could tell them what they've done wrong and having them celebrate it. <laughs> that, that is, if it, 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 maybe maybe as an academic um, assignment, it would be um, better for students not to not to try to tell the truth with data, but to try to lie with data. And to have them explore um, the darker side of visualization. Um, so, so I I really liked that uh, that idea. So I I, de I decided to develop it as a as a workshop. Um, and the first time I gave it was in um, the the Open Knowledge Festival in Helsinki in 2012, where I missed. Uh, Moritz's uh, <laughs> um, data cuisine, data cuisine. workshop. Yeah. yeah, at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> same time. Um, so that was a good excuse and a bad excuse to miss that. <laughs> um, but 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 that proved itself quite interesting. The, the you know the, there were students who who took different approaches. There are some of them. Um, kind of took opinions that they disagreed with and decided to lie about them to be kind of blatant about their lies. Uh, others to uh, others took even um, arguments, kind of uh, messages that they were required to, uh, to present through their work and exaggerate it and see how far can they push it. Um, and still, uh, uh, for, for example, um, there was this student who worked for for this wood company, and and one of the one of the messages in their in their annual report was about the amount of wood that they cut. So so he he made a 
a visualization. He, he tried to figure out how, how much wood is there in an IKEA stool, mm. and he and he he placed a 3D model of that stool on Google Earth um, <laughs> in the same level, in the same amount of, uh, of, of wood. Uh, so in, in that case, some of, some of these would see this as a, as a symbol of power and some of that would be, some, of, some would see it as a symbol of what the fuck. <laughs> um, so, so, so that was an interesting way of uh, addressing it. And, and another one, um, try to argue that uh, alcohol consumption is actually um, making the world a safer place. Um, and he made a world, a world map of alcohol consumption and, and created like completely over-the-top correlations between um, how much alcohol is consumed and the well-being of people. So he, he was specifically Iranian. So, <laughs> so he, was, he was arguing, look at the turmoil in, in Iran. Um, <laughs> that's because you can't have alcohol there. <laughs> okay. uh, so l- let me ask you something. So the workshop was, so the workshop was organized in a way that you've been giving instruction, explicit instructions to create misleading charts or, 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 or what? Yeah. So, 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 both in the article uh, that that you mentioned that was published by Tactical Tech in their um, um, visualizing advocacy blog, um, and and in the workshop, um, I, I presented this approach to lying with data. So, and I equate it: lying with data is the same kind of lying that you do on your CV, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's the kind of things that that are true mm-hmm. like they you, you technically can say that true. Not true yeah like technically true but completely over the top yeah yeah um <laughs> or you can lie by omission of course like yeah the things you don't um, want to be seen you just don't mention it's not that you would actively lie but you just leave them out right so so i give them the example um my my, my example for in the beginning of these workshops is that i've designed uh, the most expensive map ever sold um <laughs> because i i was the um the digital cartographer on waze.com and after waze was sold to google for a billion dollars i i guess <laughs> technically i can say that uh, no matter how many um uh, treasure maps you might find uh, the map that that i've designed that was sold was sold for for, for the greatest number now um i haven't mentioned in that in that sentence that um I wasn't the only one who ever designed it. Uh, this map is much more about data than about design. Um, there was so much that I could do within the constructs of what the mapping engine could provide and so on and so on and so on. Because this is not important when what I'm trying to, to do is boost my CV and say that I've designed the most expensive mm-hmm. map ever sold. Um, so, so, the, so actually, in the beginning of the workshops, we 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 do this round of uh, of misrepresentations, where when each uh, each participant actually uh, misrepresents themselves by t- telling us something true about themselves, which is taken completely out of context. Um, but but the, 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 this is exactly the the kind of lies that that we mean. It's not about uh, lying about the data. Because that would be cheating. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Just presenting rules. wrong data would be or made up data. That's cheating, right? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah I get that. that. That's yeah. that's cheating at least yeah. in, in these rules. Uh, then you would be a politician. Or or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, another very another very sophisticated one. Uh, I, I think the the most sophisticated yeah. politicians yeah. T- tell the truth in the in this in uh, deceitful ways. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what's but, different? But, like, what's different about lying with charts and data as opposed to lying in a speech, like with words? Like, what what do you think? What's the main the main difference? So, so I think uh, I think this is uh, very indicative of the time we're at. We're and 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 Enrico can speak about that because he has actually uh, researched that. Um, that when we're seeing a chart. We we actually see that as representative of a scientific process, and, and automatically by seeing a chart in some form of representation, that is a symbol of there ha- the, there has been a, a rigorous process that maybe I'm not 
I, I'm not equipped to understand, or this is already processed in, in a way that is um, professional. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, in, in a way, um, charts have become these icons of the scientific process. Right. So, so when you, you can attach them to whatever you want, and it would automatically become more credible. Um, and, and, and that, that is kind of lowering our, our, um, uh, our defenses when it comes to maybe a bit more critical thinking. Mm-hmm. Now, when, when we're, when we're just talking, uh, or when we're seeing a speech, we are, we are as, uh, versed in speaking or, or we, we have the tools of speech just as much as the next person or the next, the person that we're mm-hmm. listening to. So, so, so we're seeing this as this somewhat, um, s- somewhat, um, equal ground. But, but when someone, someone else is presenting the data through this visual and, and kind of processed uh, chart, we, we are seeing that as, as, as something much more, um, um, credible or authoritative, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Enrico, yeah, you I did some research on that, right? Like, yeah, what, what were your recent, findings? Recently done this research, we published a paper at the um, ACM CHI conference last year, or this year, this year. And um, so part of it is about just comparing, just checking how deceptive um, common uh, distortion techniques are. Like, for mm-hmm. instance, the, the super famous by now truncated axis. So if you truncate the y-axis of a bar chart or a timeline, you can actually exaggerate the difference between two or more numbers. Mm-hmm. And um, so we present uh, this information to a lot of participants on Amazon Mechanical Turk and try to see how much uh, influence this distortion has. And of course, it does have a lot of distortion. But I think what is really interesting is that there is part of this analysis that is qualitative. And um, what we find is that people are, um, when they are asked why they um, change or do not change their opinion about a specific topic when they are presented some charts, um, they often mention the idea that numbers don't lie. Or it's clear. I saw it in a chart, and uh, so we read lots it on of these kind of comments, right? <laughs> and I, I think this is the most intriguing part because, yeah, of yeah. course, there's all numbers don't lie. That's amazing. Numbers right? don't like, lie, yeah. or things I like on a t-shirt. oh, yeah. I I was not persuaded, but after seeing this chart, it's clear yeah. where the truth is, mm-hmm. right? And. Um, so I, I have to briefly correct myself because this part actually comes from a different paper that we Yeah, published. that's the one I had in mind about yeah, persuasion, we, right? Yeah. On persuasion, actually checking how and whether charts can persuade more than other visual forms, like, for instance, mm-hmm. a simple table. But right. I think this is the most intriguing part. When you see people expressing themselves in a way that it's really, at least for us, it's surprising because they say things like that. Numbers don't lie chart i saw a chart and it was revealing and and all the rest right as well as i have to say that some people just don't buy it Uh, i think it's equally interesting that some people comment like i don't care about the numbers i don't care about the charts whatever you tell me i will never change my opinion which is equally uh, worrisome, worrying, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. some people. I mean, just climate don't... change comes to mind, right? Where there's like a it stubborn matter, minority right? that is just resistant to any totally. rational argument. There, right? Totally so, resistant. Yeah. Right? So, so, so th- or th- gun there's this uh, theory by uh, uh, Stuart Hall. Stuart Hall is this media theorist. He wrote a, a very, a very uh, good argument, uh, good, good article that I would really recommend everybody to read called the uh, encoding decoding. And he's, he's speaking about the, about communication as something that, you know, the, there's this idea of communication cycle, like in Sesame Street kind of thing. I have a triangle and I tell you my triangle. Now you have a triangle and you, and you have a circle and you tell me your circle. Both of us have both triangles and circles in our brains. Um, but, but that's a very simplistic way of, of seeing, 
communication because because what actually happens is that there are a couple of creative processes in communication so so the first one is uh, encoding where mm. i'm encoding my ideas into speech or some other form of communication and the second one is decoding when where you're hearing my speech or seeing my images or visualization, and you are in a creative process turning that into your framework of knowledge and so on. And he was mentioning three types of uh, decoding. One is um, um, the hegemonic code. So whatever you say, that, that, that is like numbers don't, don't, don't lie. Whatever you present to me, I would uh, decode it with the same code and I would completely agree with that. Um, the second one is the negotiated code. So I I know that some of it is true and some of it m- might be might be wrong, but but I'll I'll try to negotiate with it. And the third one is the oppositional code, and that's th- these are the ones who would say no matter what you say, I see your bias, I see your code, and 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 I would only use that as uh, as a way of. Uh, of dismissing you altogether, mm-hmm. so 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 the the extents are kind of bad because <laughs> the extents <laughs> are, are both in a way uncritical because both of them are not um, negotiating uh, and the ne- negotiated code this idea of uh, I'll take some and and, and I'll dismiss uh, some and I'll try to uh, understand the the encoding of that message as something that is based in in many interests and many um, fallibilities and and culture and whatever and and I'll take from that what I uh, what I might take um, I actually uh, use that that example usually when I'm talking about interface because um, in a way on the web uh, we don't have the option of uh, of negotiated or positional code. Everything on the web is is hegemonic because because uh, we communicate with the same interface that we were given. Mm-hmm. But that's a completely different thread of my work. So let's not get into that. <laughs> Maybe later. Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. what are some of but, the like some of the tricks or tips? Like for spotting bullshit or for spotting lies. Like, what are the things now that you have been working on this topic? What are you watching out for? What are the typical traps people set up? So, so I, th- I think, uh, at, at least in the in the workshop, I was I, I was pointing at the at, at three areas of uh, of where where these. Um, uh, this disinformation visualization can happen. The first one is even before the visualization. That's the content step. That that's where the data is gathered. So, as as I say, the 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 term raw data is an oxymoron. There's no raw data because mm-hmm. data is is a product of language, um, even if it's a binary language. It's still language. Yeah, and there's um, a measurement process behind it that mm-hmm. might be faulty or like has a bias built in already, and and so on. Yeah, so, so in the article, I'm giving the example of the pro-choice, pro-life debate. And I'm asking, uh, should the killing of babies be legalized? Um, hopefully, people are not so much into killing babies. Um, but then I could also ask, uh, should women have the rights to their own bodies? Uh, and hopefully, most people would say yes. Mm-hmm. And then I uh, and then so you frame the same problem uh, like in two yeah. different ways, you right? Get, you, you establish you a framing data. for it that's different. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you could ask, should abortion be legal? And 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 that mm-hmm. that would be somewhere in the middle and a, a, way, a, a bit more fair. Um, but um, but the, the same. The, this is a very political debate. But at the same time, we can we can see whatever type of sampling, even the most scientific sampling, is uh, is open to to diversion. And so the first question should be about how was the the data gathered. Uh, the second one should be about structure. So um, the. Gallup has actually been polling the the issue of a pro-choice, pro-life for the le- for the last almost twenty years, um, and the way they frame the question is much more fair. They they call it uh, with respect to the abortion issue. Would you consider yourself to be pro uh, to be pro-choice or pro-life? Um, so if you're uh, if you're an American, you probably know what the meaning of these terms are, 
and uh, and then uh, they've been collecting data on. But still, it's hard question. to say I'm not pro-life. It's still, you know, it's it's still yeah. like a, a very clear bias already. I think it, in the it's, question, it, but, yeah, it's it's kind of, it's kind of hard to even say you're not pro-choice. It's like Americans are all about choice, yeah. and Americans are, are oh, all yeah. about life. Oh yeah, maybe it's, it, it, yeah. It, the words, the terms. These are words are really important as it is, and 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 that is the world we're living in. This is a. a um, a part of language. So, 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 uh, so far we haven't even visualized anything. We just collected data. Hmm. Um, but, but then, how do you pull that data? So, how do you how do you sample that data? You could, if you have a big data set, even even like twenty years of people ask, asking uh, answering this question, you can choose to sample it like every couple of years. You can choose to use every. Every year and see, and show the results. You can you can if you put it on a line graph, uh, you can choose. Uh, are you are you are you are you showing the zero axis? How are you condensing the mm -hmm. uh, the the graph itself? And then uh, you have you have different age groups. So um, like like one of the um, one of the of of those using the, this data was uh, a site called the liveaction.org and you can guess what uh, where on that balance live action sits um, and they decided to only pull ages 18 to 29 mm -hmm. and and you see you see them you know the, these ages and you think to yourself well 18 to 29 makes sense you know these are ages where people might have abortions so they there's no chance they they pulled that because that's the kind of results that they wanted to get. Um, so when they pull when, when they query these uh, age ranges, they get answers that are very much supportive uh, of the pro-life debate uh, argument. Mm -hmm. um, so so that is another way of 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 getting the answer you want. So the younger people the are more pro-life actually currently or. Um, at the time of the of the survey, at, at the time of that survey, and uh, and I actually continued. The, I actually looked took that uh, graph and tried to check it on on all of society and to take a couple more samples from a, a few years after that graph was made. And it's still fluctuating, mm -hmm. and uh, it's not. There's nothing decisive. But but when. When people are seeing also, a, it's opinion data. Up. This comes back to the content aspect. You know, if you talk about opinion data, everything can happen, yeah. right? It's like, yeah, and okay. and and it and it's affected by who's in power in government right now. Right, right. Um, if you if I would say that I'm a, a pro-choice, am I support? Is that a way of supporting Obama? And I don't want to support Obama, or the other way around? I don't want to support Bush. Um, it. The, the, the and, and no, the, no no doubt that polls are very um, very noisy in that sense, right, especially right. in in big um, arguments like this, where where we don't get a lot of uh, negotiated uh, code. Right, people are not nego negotiating with a question right. when uh, when you're asking them. It's it's like asking which camp are you on. Like which uh, which football um, um, uh, group you, you're um, you're for? Mm -hmm. It's not it's not something you're debating that much. So uh, so, so so that that, that would be uh, the 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 structure. Um, but then most fun is obviously happening when in the presentation layer. So in this division of co of content structure presentation. Um, the when you're um, when you when you're choosing the representation of the data, the visual representation of the data, that's where uh, the most diversions can happen. Um, and there, I'm I'm actually showing, and and th this is this is something you need to see. Uh, this icon of a of a mummy throwing a a, a fetus <laughs> to the garbage. Yeah. So the, it's kind so of crazy. Kind of crazy, completely over the top, yeah. uh, um, but it, it really looks like the 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 most iconic uh, representation of a woman yeah. and the most iconic uh, representation of a garbage can, and what would be the most iconic representation of a fetus. Right. Um, right. But the, this mashup is 
kind of horrifying. And, and at the same time, um, and another thing that they've done there in this infographic, they just, um, they put so much data uh, and so, ma so many little um, kind of charts uh, on the same infographic that you don't really get to that uh, deliberative point. You just get the, the first impression and you move on and you move on and you move on. So, so, so that's another technique. Um, if you don't want people to be very critical of what you're doing, just put a lot, a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, and they'll just see another thing and another thing and another thing. Yeah. You just don't stop and talking and, and everybody will be confused. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Data Stories is supported by Tableau software, helping people see and understand their data. Tableau lets people connect to any kind of data and visualize it on the fly. Databases, spreadsheets, and even big data sources are easily combined into interactive visualizations, reports, and dashboards. And by now, there's a new version out. So the latest version is Tableau 9. And in Tableau 9, you'll find features that makes the product smarter about what you're doing, from a new start experience with data prep tools to more analytics features and smart maps, for instance, with geographic search. So you can just type in the name of a city directly go over there. Um, really nice. Uh, across the entire analytical flow, uh, they have invested heavily in performance, and so everything's much faster now, and there's new features to help you share your findings and also collaborate with data. Uh, the thing I really like the most is the new data import tool, because you can finally split individual columns by delimiters and also pivot directly uh, a data table. So what you know from Excel, the pivot function is now directly in the data import, and that saves so much time. So I'm, I'm a big fan of that. Great. So if you want a free trial, visit Tableau Software at tableau.com slash data stories. This is T-A-B-L-E-A-U dot com slash data stories. That's right. Now back to the interview. But I have to say that this is an example where the the, the bias or the, the intent to persuade people towards, uh, to skew people's opinion towards a certain outcome is is pretty clear right but yeah i think what is interesting is those cases where these you cannot really spot that easily these icons mm. or or this kind of really highly biased uh, tendency right and I, think, i agree if it doesn't think, happen on the presentation layer but if you have a very clean presentation exactly. very yeah. you know the colors are all nicely picked and it's all clean and this is when the worst things happen yeah 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 and i think <laughs> once again i think i think what is interesting here is this as is i mean i'm not a philosopher but i think objectivity and how objectivity is uh, perceived through data and charts is a is a very important and relevant topic here because i think historically Uh, we connect the idea, we connect um, data to science and science to objectivity. And because of that, uh, when, when numbers are displayed either in a table or in graphical formats, we tend to believe that there is some, some truth, right? And my impression is that to some extent, it used to be like that because data was mostly the domain of science and uh, statistics and done by people who are professional in this area and perceived as professionals. But right now, the situation is completely different. Data is available uh, everywhere and to everyone. So um, things are changing, but what has not changed yet is how people probably um, consume this, this information, right? Exactly. And that, that's, that's where... Um I have some issues with this uh, with this term that Edward Tufte uh, suggested in in his uh, one of his books is uh, and I'm a big fan of Edward Tufte um, for for the same reasons that many of us are um, but he chose as a title of a, of one of his books uh, he called it uh, beautiful evidence and and I think that if we think about visualization as evidence that that, that that's kind of uh, counterproductive. Because the way you're already on the wrong work, track, right? It's like you start yeah. off on the wrong foot if you think of it this way. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it, we should. What I'm suggesting is that we should think of uh, of visualization mm -hmm. as arguments. So there might be beautiful arguments, there might be less beautiful arguments, but they are visual arguments. 
and 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 the a part of speech and and if we think about it them as a part of speech then then we can um we we can be more mindful for different kinds of ways of decoding them right now now i i think visualizations are I don't see visualization as the enemy. This is a, I do visualization uh, not because I've, I've found, oh, amazing, I can lie to everybody and no one would no- notice, um, but, but because I actually think that th- where we are with media right now, they're kind of crucial because they're a way of communicating um, a, a, bi- a bit of a more um, data-driven um, or common ground uh, driven debate. I, I would love the debate to be um, to to be much more based on data, but I would like it to be a negotiated debate. I, I want I would like there to be negotiation rather than rather than um, seeing data and just saying, "Oh, there's no problem there. There's data." Um, I, I would like more people to use data, and I would like to to see more use of data and data visualization in debate by, by, by understanding that there are different ways of reading the data. And I'm not only talking about political data like, like uh, pro-choice, pro-life. I'm, I, I'm talking about scientific data. And we, and we can see like in the scientific uh, field, you can see scientists continuously challenging ways of reading the data. Um, but but because because uh, visualization and data has become so uh, fundamental in our lives, um, we we need to to be as versed in data and to accept it not as not as evidence as but, but as as argument and therefore something we should uh, visualize. Back uh, yeah, into. I, I totally agree, and I I would even go as far and say like visualization is actually the the problem and the solution. Because it's like for so many people, it's really a gateway drug yeah. into this whole general data science, investigative, detective work, um, stream of activity that we all like. And so I think many people are drawn into these fields because they like these really interesting, cool interfaces and these cool charts. And then mm-hmm. once they build their, their own visualizations, they realize, oh man, you really have to think about like what the data means and what is being left out and how you actually measure something and not just take the results of an API, but, you know, think about like how, how would I have to transform yeah. it to make it more truthful? So I, I, I'm a positive person, of course, you know, I'm an optimist. So I think actually the universalization is, is <laughs> part of the solution here. <laughs> yeah. But I, 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 buy that. I have to say that at the same time, um, I'm not sure I, I, fully agree with this with this view because if everything is an argument uh, at some point i'm not even sure uh, why do we use data at all right i mean um let me state it in a different way um, <laughs> uh, i mean i think one of the powerful functions of working with data and using a scientific approach to to thought is that because through data manipulation or mathematical manipulation of symbols, we can distance ourselves from our, um, I don't know, our uh, core beliefs subjective. or yeah, yeah. Uh, anything that is subjective. That's the very reason why uh, we do it originally, right? So I see a little bit of tension between these two worldviews. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think there is well, a, there is a, a there is space. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what I mean is that there is space for using data as a way to get to a truer uh, truth, right? That's what science tries to do. So um, I'm not sure that's always true. So the, the term I really like for it is uh, from, I, I don't know if he made it, but uh, uh, David Weinberger uh, wrote this book, Too Big to Know, another recommendation. Um, and he's talking about stopping points. So he's all about how, you know, in the subtitle of the room is uh, how the, is something like uh, where... Um, um, experts are everywhere, and the the, the smartest uh, person in the room is the room itself. Um, but but he he's he's talking about the fact that we are not as based on on books and experts as much, and that's actually a problem because the the very important role of experts and and 
and books and let's let's say credible data is that uh, they provide stopping points. And I really mm-hmm. like this term stopping points because at some point you need to stop debating and start building <laughs> on top of things. You need to, to you, you know, you, you can't just um, question and question and question and question. Um, you, you need to move forward. Um, and, and that is something that is very crucial to society at large, science definitely. Um, but it's this balance. I, but I'm also not, in science, not it's it's not just data, but it's agreed upon data. And I think that's that's a really it's a big difference. It's it's not just data that moves science forwards, but it's data that has been debated and has been wetted and has been verified and has been reproduced. And that's all that's all the dialogue that's happening. And I think that's the dialogue you're asking for, right? It's like not just take data and say like this is the end of yeah. it, but say like in order to make this a stepping stone for the next step. We need to have seen it from all sides. We need to have heard a few arguments around it. We all need to agree it's valid and, and you know, truthful data, if you like. And then we can move on. Yeah? And, and then we can, you know, we can argue back, back with it. We, we can, the, 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 there's, room, the, there's room for, um, it, it's, it's actually a way of making it better, right? Um, so, so one of the... Um, uh, one one of the terms I'm kind of uh, playing with is this uh, kind of an answer to this culture of uh, uh, disambiguation, right? Every like disambiguation is a word that is uh, used a lot in our field, but it's kind of uh, it was added into culture through mainly Wikipedia, right? Uh, in Wikipedia, everything needs to be disambiguated before we can <laughs> even dis- start talking, yeah. Yeah. right? Um, <laughs> and, and when I when I I, and also Google, did you mean? Yeah. Did you <laughs> no, mean? I didn't mean. <laughs> um, and, and I think there's something so important about, uh, about ambiguity that it, it's, it's not the enemy. Um, and, the, and there's room for ambiguity in culture. And, uh, I, but I, I scientists would, don't like it so much. It's just like the artist. Yeah, I, uh, it's just the artist. <laughs> so I, I would call for re-ambiguation. Again, right? I think a lot of people play with this ambiguity, right? I mean, yeah. sometimes this becomes, um, I don't know, a way to to argue against something that is very uh, scientifically supported. So again, it's it's a very fine line, right? On the one end, you don't want to um, you want to agree that um, even science, to some extent, you know, is an argument. But on the other hand, if you open this door then it's a Pandora's box because everyone can poke this, this box and say, oh, yeah, but this, but that, right? <laughs> and uh, I, I, so I think it's tricky. It's a tricky issue. And probably we don't, at least I don't understand enough of it yet, but I, I see that there is a problem, right? So a, a typical um, example is climate science, right? So um, as far as I can tell, scientists seems to agree quite a lot on what is happening around the world. Uh, but there are people who are always uh, debating against whatever scientific um, evidence they produce, right? So it's 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 tricky. It's very tricky because those who argue that they don't um, they don't really negotiate with the data. They they are this is the the classic oppositional reading. The oppos- the classic oppositional decoding. They they want to discredit the ideas. They don't want to challenge. They don't want to challenge the the, the science. They want to challenge the politics, right? Um, and they want to destable um, the the scientific truth that was already agreed on. Um, we have the, the, the same with evolution, of course. When when like evolution enemies, you know, say it's just a theory. It's just an opinion somebody has about about the world, right? It's yeah. like. I think that is devaluing what's what's going on. So yeah. it, it, it is, and uh, but I'm I'm okay I'm okay with keeping everything within this field of of uh, discourse and um, and and I I know uh, and within the field of discourse there are people that are very 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 credible and when they when when they use language I am completely with them. And they make strong arguments, and and even though these are arguments, and maybe I can make arguments as well, that doesn't make them uncredible, 
right? I, I, I think if we can allow ourselves to, to have this range between very, very credible speech and complete bullshit um, within, <laughs> within visualization as well, that then then we can get the best of both worlds and and we can maybe evolve a bit from from this uh from this culture of um i trust the numbers um i've seen the numbers and uh, i've seen god or something um <laughs> and, and 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 the opposite of, the of, of don't show me i don't need numbers i already know and there's nothing you can say that would uh, if that would uh, convince me otherwise. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a great topic. And I mean, it touches in the end really on scientific theory as a whole. And as you mentioned already, communication theory and all kinds of things. So it's uh, it's probably a topic for a whole PhD, if in case you're inclined. <laughs> a couple of can, can, can I ask something else? I, I don't know much about the situation in Israel, like open data wise and data visualization wise. And can you tell us a bit about that? Like what's what's going on in Israel in these fields? So, so uh, Enrico just uh, spent some time in the sun. Um, oh my uh, God, I loved it. I loved it. So, so I hope uh, you can invite us again sometime in the future. So just a few <laughs> weeks ago, we had uh, the first ISBIS, uh, the Israeli Visualization uh, Conference. It was a, a day and a half. Um, we, had, uh, we had Enrico, we had uh, Robert Kosara. Um, we had, the usual uh, suspects. Uh, these are two usual suspects, no, no doubt. We had Barbara Tversky uh, from Stanford and nice. Columbia Universities. Mm -hmm. Uh, okay. We had uh, Julia Frigieri, Frigieri from The Guardian, um, and and the title of the um, of the conference was um, "Mechanized Images for Human Eyes." So the, this question about this, um, like, w what does it mean to to have machines creating images for us? That that was already embedded in the title, and and. Um, and we were really pointing at uh, reading it from the perspective of uh, um, science and. And, and technology, uh, design and visual culture, and then psychology and cognitive science. Um, so, so this triangle was very apparent uh, throughout the, the conference, and these questions that we have here were very, very alive. Um, mm -hmm. um, so, 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 um, so that was very interesting, and that was, I would say, that was uh, in in a way an inaugural uh, event for uh, the Israeli visualization um, community. It took place at Shankar, that's, uh, that's the college where I teach at. Um, we also teach um, uh, visualization classes and, and so on. And, 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 and as for Israel um, at large, uh, Israel has a very thriving uh, uh, um, technology uh, scene, a very thri thriving uh, startup scene. Um, and a lot of it has to do with data. A lot of it has to do with visualization. Um, but it hasn't been a community yet. Um, mm -hmm. I, I can tell you that in the work that we're doing, um, I'm volunteering with a public knowledge workshop, which is a, an NGO uh, doing government transparency and civic engagement. And a lot of the volunteers that come are, um, are technologists that are working a lot with data and designers that are working with uh, with visualization and trying to and and the approach that we have and I would say for better or worse um, the um, the knowledge that people have from the science from from their uh, military um, experience um, in intelligence uh, used for I wouldn't use the term evil but uh, not not <laughs> the, like data that doesn't come in peace, let's say that. Right, right. Um, yeah, yeah. We are trying to apply that in for good. Um, so uh, because so, people acquired the skills in the military, but they yeah. can also apply the same techniques, of course, on open data sets or for public good. Yeah. Yeah. So so, so you have uh, you you have uh, kids that are coming out of the the army at the age of twenty one, and they've already processed the huge amounts of big data, and the mm -hmm. the Python skills are uh, are uh, top top notch, and uh, and then. Um, and and then they're trying to save their souls by uh, making making Israel work a bit better rather than the other way around. Um, yeah, yeah. 
Don't get me started. Uh, <laughs> but 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 I, I can I, I can say that maybe as an example of something uh, that we've encountered um, that, that where we encountered the, these dilemmas with, with data um, uh, together with the Adam Adam Kariv, I'm uh, I'm he- heading the the budget key project, um, looking at the Israeli budget data and trying to to understand policy um, from the numbers and um, and two years ago we we launched this uh, this big uh, project this was a rec- uh, co- collaboration with uh, with the daily newspaper Calculist in Israel and we visualized the comparison of the uh, of the budget um, that was inspired by a work of the New York Times and and that has really changed the debate on on that budget that year that, that this visualization has become the kind of the table of contents for uh, for the budget debates even within gov- within the parliament itself they actually mm-hmm. used it instead of the books um, yes. wow. and and that was a huge moment for us but as as this was going we actually realized that um we we presented everything in a very in a pretty um, neutral and fair way but there's a there was a huge data set that we were completely ignoring from the moment that the budget is is uh, signed into law the and the budget year starts in israel uh, the budget changes and changes and changes and changes uh, so so we were uh, telling everybody, look, try to compare this lie with this lie. These are two data, <laughs> two data sets that mm. th- that don't represent the actual policy, and 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 that was a, a terrifying aha moment for us. Um, that that we were fooling ourselves as well. But what is it? They don't. So they set up guidelines every year of how to use the money, but then they use it differently. Is it like this? They, they, they set up guidelines, but as soon, but, but they set them up knowing that they would pass uh, um, amendments and and transactions from ah, f- okay. for, from one item to another, and they know that they do it through 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 a process mm-hmm. that is completely opaque, and right. and, and, and where Parliament is supposed to be. To be doing oversight, but it's only a rubber stamp. So yeah. over the so over the last two years, we've been focusing on that. We've been releasing. Uh, we've been getting them to release much more data. We've actually that within that data there was um, a corruption case <laughs> hiding uh, that is just blowing up in in Israel really big time. Another thing that is coming up. So 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 the, this this questioning of how do you how do you even uh, question the data yourself are are also very revealing for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes you feel it's a bottomless pit, like, you know, any it, problem it you is. solve, you have five new ones, but at the same time, it is, that's what progress the, looks like, I guess. Yeah, yeah it's politics. <laughs> it's like, it, it is right, politics right, and it's right. speech and it's a policy. Yeah. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be a, po- a bottomless pit because the, right, right. the only bottom of a pit like this is, is, <laughs> is, uh, is a totalitarianism. <laughs> Right, yeah, so you, yeah. you want to continuously fall down that pit and try to hang it something and hope uh, hope for the best. <laughs> so <laughs> l- l- let me ask you something, um, maybe somewhat personal, because so it's really interesting to me to talk to people like you who are developing visualizations with such a strong um, potential political impact, and um, I, I had a similar experience talking to people who work in on investigative journalism. So if I had to do the same, I would be so scared, right? Especially I would be so scared to that a clever person can actually find a big uh, fault in whatever I'm putting out mm. there, which has such a strong argument. So how do you live with that? Um, we consult with a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. We we try to communicate the fact that we are as as much as we are a very prominent NGO and we are very authority we are very authoritative. Uh, there's a lot of we're very respected in in the Israeli media field and the political scene. Um, at the same time, we try to to put up some kind of small flags, reminding people that this is just one way of reading. The data. 
um, we're trying to use uh, conversational language to remind people that this is not some faceless corporation uh, or, or this uh, the scientific uh, truth uh, bubbling from the from the heart of the earth. The, 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 these are people, volunteers, um, that are trying to look at this data and make sense of it. And then, and then we're there's something that we've started working on uh, that which that we call the um, data tours. Um, that that is uh, when when we were launching the the latest website, we we uh, included this uh, guided tour within the within the site, and and that was inviting uh, inviting people, to, uh, kind of showing them the features and explaining a bit of the budget. Um, uh, to them and the t- terminology and everything, and then we realized that, th- that this is actually a great way of telling a story, not a, a, a great way of doing annotation. Um, but but if we can take that and extend that, then we can turn um, annotations in visualization and data sites to be more than just a monologue that can be a, a dialogue or an invitation for someone to speak speak back with visualization. So we're now uh, developing this uh, d- data tours as, as a platform for people to take, for anyone to take us on a tour of visualization. Um, mm-hmm. So that, that's something that we're playing with. And by adding a narrator, you immediately add that... Um Personal yeah, like commentary layer that helps frame the information the right way, but also makes clear okay, there's there's people behind that. I think in many cases that can really just it's often a, just a matter of mindset. And if you're reminded yeah. there's a person there, exactly. suddenly you see it differently. Right? Re- yeah. remi- reminded that there's a human there, and that exactly. and that yeah. and that human is is making a one. Uh, making choices and pointing at things, and and as much as much as they pointed at this data point within a, within a chart, mm-hmm. they I could point at something else, and 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 that that is a way of reminding people, hey, we're so, still so within language. Yeah, world. because there's also the same phenomenon when you have news um, moderators or like the the anchor man at news uh, shows on TV. Like some of them, they are just purely like in the daily news in Germany. Some of them are just the medium, like the, the pure, I'm just reading this, you know, I, yeah. <laughs> there's no emotion involved. And others, they might raise an eyebrow occasionally or like, you know, yeah, like shake the paper a bit. And then others, it's clear they, they have a strong opinion on, you know, what, what they are talking about. And I guess and, we have the same bandwidth in, in data visualization, right? And, and, and that's that's a range of emotions and and personality that that as humans we've learned to identify really quickly, uh, and right. and 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 we can already identify them, in, identify it more and more through text as well. But uh, but we we want to have that within visualization as well. So yeah. so that that's something that we're um, tra- trying to practice. Um, within the work that we do. Great. I think what is what is interesting to notice is that right now we have situations that are at both ends of the spectrum. So what I mean is that you can have this kind of uh, highly polished visualizations that are narrated by a person and mm-hmm. uh, um, basic basically walking you through a set of facts. And at the other end of the spectrum, we have visualizations that give you a little bit of introduction, but then let you completely explore everything on your own, right? And both things are, are really interesting and uh, probably will be, we will see developments in both uh, areas in the future, I guess. Yeah. Cool. So, Mushon, um, so one thing that is really interesting in your work is also this idea of... Um, using, um, let's say, um, deceptive data or misleading data in a quote-unquote positive way or for a good purpose. Uh, I'm referring to your project called uh, Ad Nauseam. Can you briefly explain what this is and what's the concept behind that? Sure. So, so I'll try to tie that into a bit of the, the discussion that we had. So, Ad Nauseam is this initiative. Um, um, I'm a partner. I'm a partner in um, to go together with um, Helen Isenbaum uh, of NYU and Daniel Howe, a media artist. Um, th- this is addressing the um, the um, ad network. Um, um, 
privacy debate. Uh, the fact that without any consent, to the, those, there are these profiles that are built on us uh, just by uh, by the data that is collecting on uh, collected on us, and then the the ads that we see that we're being shown are based on that. And if we click on one of these ads, that, that's a, that's a strong signal of what we're interested in, and. And this profile is uh, collected and collected and collected, and even even um, attempts at regulating that, like uh, the Do Not Track initiative, uh, ha- haven't gone anywhere. So, so as um, um, as netizens or uh, or eyeballs, um, we we are um, we are not in, even in a position to argue, and and it's not like we've signed anything, right? Um, mm-hmm. So 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 some some people would kind of become kind of don't want to know anything about it and hope for the best. Uh, others know that the, we're pretty much fucked and uh, say, okay, that's just <laughs> the way the world is. Um, others, and more so since, uh, since the Snowden revelations, have started to protect themselves through, through different uh, uh, cybersecurity um, measures. And what we're trying to suggest is a fourth way, uh, which is a bit more expressive and more fun, um, which is picking up a fight with them. Uh, so what, uh, what we've done is we've built this uh, browser plugin called Adnauseum, adnauseum.io. Mm-hmm. Uh, that works with your ad blocker, and every ad that is blocked by by your blocker is then silently clicked by Adnauseum. So we click every ad, um, <laughs> which pollutes your profile to the level that that the data uh, that is gathered on you doesn't make any sense anymore. Um, and and that is um, fo- following this uh, thread of work that uh, Daniel and. Uh, and Helen has been work have been working on for a while uh, under this um, um, approach of obfuscation. So data obfuscation mm-hmm. as as a countermeasure for uh, for data gathering and data surveillance, R- rather than trying to hide. Because none of us go online to hide. We go online to communicate. We go online to uh, to express ourselves, to learn about things. We don't go online to hide. Um, so. If if we take big data at, it, at its word, we can ch- check how big this data can be, right? <laughs> we, we all know. You we, want data? We have data. Yeah, <laughs> take the data. Take a lot of it. Um, and and so, so it's it's a very expressive and kind of chaotic way of celebrating um, personality and expression on the web, um, in in a way that is also. Getting back to understanding what data is, what is what is its role within uh, who we are, and uh, and and what it means to collect data, what it means to make uh, decisions based on data. Uh, we have this visualization within within the the add-on that shows you at one spot all of the all of the ads that you haven't seen. Um, so it 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 at once you can see all of the banners. So and then. Kind of ask yourself: Is this me? Is this my self-portrait? Um, and 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 because c- I have clicked all of these, so so that, that, that's kind of a, a officially. Yeah. Can, yeah. can I ask you one thing? Do the ads get weirder and weirder that you get because you seem to be interested in everything? Do you get like more extreme stuff suddenly? So or? So, so it's really hard. Or is, to, does it even out? Like. I, I think it evens out at some point, um, and but one of the weirdest ones that I got is this invitation to become a project leader in the Mossad. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, 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 so the Israeli as a banner ad, yeah. as a banner ad. So <laughs> not bad. So I see that that was perfect advanced. targeting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I have the chops. <laughs> Apparently, um, yeah, with the rate this guy is clicking ads, he, he can do anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is big data in one spot. Yeah, yeah. There's also a similar project called Floodwatch, just for completeness. It started, I think, pretty much in parallel to yours, right? Uh, yeah. It comes from the OCR um, collaboration with, I can't remember his name, but it was a collaboration OCR and. Yeah. Uh, uh, have to yeah, Jeff Thorpe, and uh, but there was also an external researcher who who was working with them yeah, on the true. project, and they did a similar thing, but I think more an analytic 
here's all the ads you get presented like what does that mean about you or your self-image and things like this yeah so, so what, what which is very and, interesting and ocr trying to do yeah they're, 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 they're trying to to say let, let's try to to see what they are doing let's try to collect big yeah. data ourselves yeah. um like personal data more or less, and, yeah. and 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 maybe you can share it with researchers that you trust or or we'll give you some tools to process it yourself um uh, the the, pro the projects are very similar in 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 the way they are showing you your data, um, but but they I, I would say that Floodwatch still follows the same approach of let's analyze data and see what mm -hmm. what we can learn. Uh, we are uh, interested in creating some some data, so so we're we're creating yeah. in in getting the data to the point of it collapsing into itself. Uh, yeah. Which is yeah, and move from observer to activist, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah, and uh, Jer and I uh, discussed it a bit. It should be uh, should do something to get together, probably. Yeah, it sounds like a good uh, tag team of projects. For yeah, <laughs> great, cool, great stuff, fantastic work. Uh, that's super interesting. Thanks so much. Yeah, <laughs> we could go on forever talking about these things. <laughs> As, as usual, usual. As, as usual. usual. <laughs> now, uh, now Enrico should say, or maybe Moritz should answer by, by saying, we've only scratched the surface. Right? Yeah, why not? I think, <laughs> honestly, the, I think we've the only scratched the surface idioms. <laughs> you know what we should do? We should just stop and repeat every single episode for next year. <laughs> yeah. To scratch backwards. each surface yeah. a, little, yeah. a little longer. Oh, we just re-invite the same people. That's fantastic. Exactly. That's what Sounds I'm saying. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Okay, Dong. Thanks so much, Mushon. Thanks, you guys. Thanks a lot, so Mushon. It was great having you. So Bye. let us know if you organize ISBIS again next yeah, year. ISBIS yeah. is happening again. And if you need a um, keynote speaker. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> we will talk. And uh, and the videos from this year are going to be online hopefully soon. So I'll definitely ping you. Um, if it's not ready for the time the show is out, I'll ping you on Twitter for that. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. So um, that was a lot of fun. Thank you, guys. Cool. Thank you. Thanks so much. Bye. 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 Data Stories is supported by Tableau Software, helping people see and understand their data. Get answers from interactive dashboards wherever you go. For your free trial, visit Tableau Software at tableau.com slash datastories. This is T-A-B-L-E-A-U dot com slash datastories.